0: And if you like my show, then I want to tell you about a hilarious parenting podcast called What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. It's hosted by Amy and Margaret, who are both comedians and moms of three. But that's where the similarities end, because Margaret is laid back to the max, and Amy loves making lists and planning ahead. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, Amy and Margaret wrestle with a common parenting issue using research, lively debate, and tons of humor. So if you're stuck at home right now with your kids, this is the perfect escape. Check out What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts or at whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. Hey everybody, it's Robin McMahon here. Welcome to Parenting Our Future. We are here for another episode to help you help you parent your kids in a more peaceful way, in a more conscious and connected way. And I am so happy to invite today's guest on who's going to talk to you all about curiosity and support you and your kids with your learning. I am so happy to have Mike Alpert here, Uh, and he is the lead instructor of the Curiosity Blueprint. I cannot wait to tell you about this. He believes in empowering parents, educators, and administrators so they can more freely empower the next generation. I mean, come on. That is so awesome. I am so happy to have you here. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks, Robin. I'm really glad to be talking to you today.
0: Yeah. And I mean, look, I read one line of your bio. You have a massive list of credentials and experience and so many cool things. We talked about your nonprofit brewery earlier, which is uh, is so cool in Portland. So you've got a lot going on and I know you're a busy guy. So thank you for being here. But also thank you for what you're doing to help parents and students especially right now. So can you tell me a little bit more about what the Curiosity Blueprint is?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, in my normal day-to-day life, I, I kind of do wear a lot of hats. I kind of like to think of myself as an entre- as an educator first, and an entrepreneur second. Uh, I've worked in classrooms, I've been an administrator, I've worked overseas in schools, uh, and I love working with parents, I love working with students, I love working with teachers and with principals. Um, And historically, what I've done is either work directly with with teachers and students in school buildings or in my consulting business, I work with them um, on a day-to-day basis, working on training in specific areas like executive function and um, Mm -hmm. uh, social-emotional learning and classroom management. It was really over this summer, uh, given the kind of current state that we're all in, that I was at a barbecue in July, and I remember I had a few friends ask me, like, hey, I know you do a lot of stuff for teachers. Uh, Do you have anything for parents? Because, you know, we're kind of trying to figure out what schooling looks like in this coming year. I said, you know, I I mean, as as a teacher, I have a ton of ideas. Um, I haven't ever produced anything directly for parents. Um, And in that same hour, at that same barbecue, I was getting text messages from my brother on the East Coast, and he was saying, you know, I'm being asked by people if you have anything for, for parents. And, and, you know, so my wife and I went uh, on a little trip to a lake cabin and, and we were kind of talking like, you know, I, I think this is something that's needed right now. So the Curiosity Blueprint really is uh, a small piece of what I did in the classroom over seven to eight years. So in the classroom, what would happen for me, is, especially one year, a few years into uh, my teaching career, is uh, my administrator came to me and they said, look, we have, for whatever reason, this wide range of ability levels this year. We have a group of kids that's uh, below grade level that really needs some extra support. We have a group of kids that's at grade level and then we have another group of kids that's, you know, and I was was teaching sixth, seventh and eighth grade then that these students are at like a 10th, 11th grade level, very advanced. And so we're gonna give you all of them in your class and leave it up to you to figure out how to differentiate that. Uh, and I thought, no pressure, let's, let's see how this goes. Oh. But I, I worked with colleagues, um, I, I worked with some phenomenal people that were incredibly smart. Uh, I piloted a program for a local university um, and tried a lot of things that was all focused around self-directed learning. So it was empowering students with the tools that they needed to direct their own learning because there was no way that I could stand in front of 30 kids with that spectrum and, and reach all of them where they needed to be reached. It, it was much more effective that I empowered them with some tools and then just worked as kind of a facilitator uh, meeting their needs one-on-one as needed. And so there's a lot of these strategies that can be used at home uh, by parents that don't need to go through grad school and education in order to uh, employ some of these strategies. And that's really what the curiosity blueprint is. So it's a course that walks parents in about an hour through a ton of different strategies that they can use to support uh, remote, support learning at home, either in a remote situation, if your student's back in the building full time, they can help with studies when they come home. Um, and then also the biggest thing that I've been hearing from parents now that school has started is that, look, my student is getting some education, some, a lot of instruction from the school, school's doing a great job, however, um, you know, there's a lot of leftover time, there's a lot of unstructured time that my son or daughter just doesn't know what to do with themselves. And so one of the biggest focuses of the Curiosity Blueprint is it helps students to identify something that they're interested in, teaches them to research it in depth, and then uh, gives them guidance on how to do a project related to that, uh, what we call a curio, that point of interest, and produce something in an in a, uh, offline, like hands-off scenario. So. Really to, to sum all of that up in a short sentence or two, it serves two purposes. One, it helps take the heavy lifting off of parents and supporting at home learning um, in remote teaching or hybrid learning or in building instruction yes. scenarios. Or it helps support students fill their unstructured time with something creative and constructive.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so, so here, here's what I heard you say. You, this sure. came from, from parents reaching out to you saying, okay, we need help, which makes perfect sense because we definitely are in a place where we need help right now with everything that our kids are learning and with the, the, the weight that has been put on us uh, right. in terms of, you know, sort of bridging the gap between in-person schooling and schooling online and at home. And my guess is, is that those kids, that that group of kids that you had, that you had to figure out how to teach uh, every one of them and meet them where they are, included kids with some learning disabilities, uh, kids with ADHD, kids with IEPs in general, um, and, and different difficulties, so what I really like, I really like that you had the hardest class in the world uh, that you had to teach and figure out. Like, thank you for that, because you're now uh, you're what you said is you're you, all the little tricks and tips that you used in the class to get these kids interested in learning, which is a Herculean feat, I imagine. Um, is what you're using to help with this curiosity blueprint. Right. And so this is, this is to help parent. So here's what I want to do. I want to ask you how it help, how it helps parents. And then, um, you know, how it can fill that gap of time because you are so right. Like, like my kids are looking at me, like I did all my work can I go play? And they don't want to go play outside because my kids are older now. They want to go play video games or whatever. And it's like, oh man, I can't send you anywhere. You can't go out with anyone. You can't see anyone. So yeah, okay, I guess you can play, right?
1: Right, right. Yeah, no, it's a great question. So it helps parents in a couple ways. Um, First of all, it creates a structure around how to offer your students support in remote learning. So Uh, One of the biggest kind of hitches is that, you know, you might not be as familiar with the content work, you might uh, not really know about uh, how to conduct credible research, um, that sort of thing. So it kind of takes the ball out of the court of the parent entirely. And the parent is really more of just a guide to help problem solve when a student hits a roadblock, rather than uh, a teacher or a tutor or something like that. So The course has kind of two aspects to it. One is there's a series of videos that just explains a framework, a four step framework to parents, just so they know what's going on and they have kind of a pulse on how things work. Um, Then we have tutorial videos that work directly with students. So the parents don't have to teach this framework to their kids. Um, the, The tutorials teach it directly to the kids as well. It provides all of the documentation. Um, all the graphic organizers, all the surveys, all of the research templates, all of the project suggestions. And the students can just watch the videos and and, uh, learn how to conduct research, how to find a topic of interest if they're having to complete a school assigned research paper. One of the biggest uh, struggles for students is finding something that they're interested in. So we really help with the heavy lifting there. We teach them how to conduct credible research and how to document that and then we give tons of suggestions on how to create a project that um, exemplifies their learning. And one of the requirements is that it benefits a larger audience. So it's something they have to present or show or share with a family member, with, uh, with a friend, with a school group, or something to that effect. So, you know, what I hear from my friends that are, that are parents of, of uh, school-age kids across the spectrum is I, I don't always know how to support my students. And this really takes uh, a structure that parents just might not be able to come up with on their own, gives it to the student, makes the parent aware of it so they can support that as needed.
0: Uh, okay, so I have a couple questions. Sure. Um, so so first, um, this is... Uh, a complement to their learning already, right? So this is if if they have been assigned a project, assigned an essay, a research essay, something like that, what you're saying is the curiosity blueprint will help them understand how to get through that in a really great, easy way where parents don't have to take it on.
1: Correct, yeah. So that's, that's one of the two prong approaches, right, is that okay. it supports at-home learning. Absolutely. Okay,
0: and then can you share with the four-step processes?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the acronym is SLAM. So S L A M. So it stands for Seek, Learn, Apply, and Make. So in the Seek phase, this is if it's not a school assigned project. So you ask if it if it supports and supplements school assigned um, uh, research or activities. Yes. It also, um, if a student is like, Hey, I've done my work for the day and I don't have anything to do now for the rest of the day, and you don't want them to be playing video games for the rest of the afternoon. What the seek phase does, the first step, is it helps them to identify a point of interest. We call it a curio. So it can be any object, event, creation, person, um, place, throughout history, um, in any content area. And we have a graphic, what we call a graphic survey that walks students through a process of um, asking them very interesting questions that helps them to develop at least 20 different topics of interest in about 10 minutes and this is available for free on our website if anybody wanted to check it out just to kind of get a flavor for it so if you go to the curiosityblueprint.com you go to freebies you can download this for free and what we really encourage parents to do is download it have your student fill it out just to see what they come up with and then fill it out yourself and compare notes. I've had parents do that before and it leads to amazingly interesting uh, conversations that they never would have had otherwise. So some of the questions that it asks students is like, if you could have a conversation with anyone in history, who would it be and what would you talk about? It asks them to identify things that they're really passionate about. It asks them like hypothetical situations. Like imagine you found a locked treasure chest in your closet and you found a key and you opened it but it wasn't treasure, but it was something equally as fascinating. What did you find inside? And then, so it goes through all these kind of very literal questions, very hypothetical, fantastic questions. And wherever your student lands in terms of interest, whether they're interested in math, you know, history, video games, YouTubers, it's gonna pull out something that they could identify and point to and say, I wanna study that. That sounds fascinating to me. Um, So again, that first step of the four step process seek. You don't really go through that if it's a school-assigned project because you kind of already have that. If you don't know what you want to study, it helps identify that. In the learn phase, it teaches you how to conduct credible research, how to find out a little bit about your topic, and most importantly, how to connect those ideas to other points of interest. So it brings in, um, so if you're studying, for instance, um, the Burj Khalifa, which is the tallest building in the world, right? Uh, it's going to bring in aspects of uh, engineering. It's going to bring in aspects of history. It's going to bring in aspects of math and science, and all these different content areas to kind of uh, bolster your knowledge around that content area, around that topic, and give you other things that you might want to research on your own time, or also, or even just you know, kind of flesh out um, the project that you're doing for school and make it that much better. Then the apply phase, um, it goes deeper documents that learning in a little bit more detail and in the make phase we give students um, a lot of very very concrete suggestions on projects that they can do um, many of which are offline because you know these days we don't want our students to be stuck in front of a screen 24 um, 7 and kind of you know get their hands working with the situation and uh, and create something that exemplifies your knowledge is what teachers would call a summative project that exemplifies um, their learning so so that's the four-step process, and again, it, it is great to support um, school-assigned projects, but really, I think the sweet spot is that for those students that, you know, have gotten through their assigned schoolwork, which it's not the school's fault. They're assigning great work, but it just, when you're in a home situation, it takes less time to complete, right? It's, you don't have the social aspect and move from class to class and traveling to school. You have a lot of surplus time. And if we don't give our students something constructive to fill that time with, they find other ways to fill it. And sometimes it's just, okay. you know, sitting around or sometimes it's even not the best thing to get involved with. So, um, so really, it's not just a time filler, it's a way to spark their curiosity and pull them forward and actually learn something with the surplus of time that we rarely have in life. So let's make good use of this year in that respect.
0: You are currently listening to the Parenting Our Future podcast. I'm parent coach, Robin McMahon. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And please don't forget to subscribe. And I would be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating on iTunes. If you'd like to connect with me, all my details are in the show notes. And for a copy of my book, go to yellingcurebook.com. Now back to the show. I really love all of that. It is it is so great because I have seen many times where, you know, my kids have been asked to research something and, 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 and it's like, okay, well, I feel like it's on me to help them and guide them right. through. every step so this is really cool and I and I I love it from the time filler perspective because it's like okay you know what let's learn about something you love like you want to you you have a real aptitude for art or for building stuff and so you can kind of go down this cool rabbit hole almost um in your site and and really understand this so I really love that I really love it it's really cool and the fact that you're helping parents to you know take that burden off of them thank you <laughs> that's the
1: hope that's the hope yeah
0: <laughs> okay so um let's just talk about the idea of curiosity to begin with right because i think that that's it's it's almost like it's a um it's something we forget to do and we forget to be even as parents yeah. we assume things we judge things but it's like we need to slow down sometimes and just say oh well, how come you said it that way? Or how come you did that thing? Right? So let's talk about why curiosity is important in general for our kids.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think this is, this is an insight that I came to after that year in the classroom, that since then, I haven't been able to, to ever move past the importance and the power of curiosity. So I'll, I'll back up a little bit and you know I'm not a neuroscientist but I've, I've kind of studied a lot of, of social emotional learning executive function and so students go through three big phases of, of neural growth and then pruning so in early childhood you know there's a phase where uh, tons is happening in their brain and then um, it kind of prunes down a little bit and and whatever they do in that early childhood um, phase kind of reinforces those neural networks and and, and uh maintains them. That happens again in adolescence and it happens again in early adulthood. So kind of go through these three big phases or waves where it's really, really critical to engage the mind and engage curiosity. So a couple points there is that it's never too late. So if that didn't happen necessarily in early childhood, there's always opportunities to do that in adolescence and early adulthood. Um, And then there's, if it did happen in early childhood, we need to keep doing that to reinforce those neural pathways and kind of build that kind of lifelong learning capacity. But what's really important, I think, about curiosity is more anecdotal from, there's a ton of great research out there on it, but what um, my firsthand anecdotal experience has taught me is that in the classroom, uh, there is nothing more powerful than curiosity across the board. If a student is curious, genuinely, authentically curious in a topic, there is nothing that will stop them from learning about it. So to give you an example, um, I, in our course we have a series of what we call burning questions and, and there are prompts that you can use it with your student but I think it works for anybody so if I told you that right now there's a 400 ton block of concrete suspended by springs in the top of the 59th floor of the Citigroup building in Midtown Manhattan um, so that's a block of concrete that weighs the same as a 747 suspended in the top of a skyscraper in the middle of one of the most populated cities in the world. Like why in the world is that there? Right. And I have given that prompt to students before and said, you know, you need to find out why that's there. And you give that to a 12 year old boy and he's going to be like, Holy cow, why in the world is that there? I need to know. And if they research that they would find out a little bit about um, space engineering. They'd find about the mechanics of car engines. They would learn about some historical concepts. They would learn about a top secret, structural engineering mission that happened in the middle of the night in 1978 in Manhattan that involved the NYPD, 2,500 Red Cross volunteers and three weather services. And the (laughs) public didn't know about it for decades. Like all this really happened. Right. And through that one kind of central point of interest that you expose kids to, it's going to have tentacles and bring them in all these different directions. And, uh, and if, if you can, Flip that switch inside them that's that, you know, tells them, their brains telling them, I have I have to find this out. That is a more potent motivator than yeah. almost anything you could ever, you know, any reward you could come up with, any, you know, any kind of um carrot that you're trying to dangle in front of your student to, you know, you get another hour of video game time if you complete this this assignment or something like that. Ooh, Curiosity like is a game changer. <laughs> so
0: so, meanwhile, you know, kind uh, meanwhile, there is a, uh, a Google overload on why is there <laughs> a block for every single parent listening to this. And right, by the right. time we're done today, Mike, I will know why, <laughs> because you have you have peaked my curiosity. I love it. Yep. That is so cool. Can I just say one thing, though? Sure. Look, I, I just want to say when we look at our kids, we look at our babies and you have a little baby at home. I do you see our kids are born curious right. and they are little scientists too like especially at the age your your son is right yeah. uh, your, your little boy is how old now
1: He's uh, he's almost 11 months
0: yeah almost so I mean come yeah. on so cute yeah. right so much learning happening so much exploring and what we are really good at is actually killing our kids love of learning and curiosity in a structured way that we that we conduct school and learning so you're really bringing back the curiosity that is natural and innate in all of us right we're curious about the world around us but we learn in different ways and um uh, you know our brains all work in slightly different ways, but you're right about the 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 way it works with the brain. And I also love that you said it's never too late because that is also my message. You know it's never too late for a lot of things because the brain is use dependent, right? So it does prune those right. things away, but your brain also can grow and change at any time. So that absolutely. is absolutely so I love that. I love that what you just said about curiosity. So thank you. Okay. And I know I interrupted you. So, so uh, I'll let you go on.
1: <laughs> no, I just can say, I think one of the things that's important too, for um, like our teenagers is that, uh, so you're absolutely right in early childhood and a lot of through elementary um, kids are so naturally curious. I mean, yeah, my son is just every single thing that's shiny or anything. You know, he's just examining from every angle and, and wants to eat it, and which is a whole different <laughs> issue. But um, so, you know, in early childhood, it, it unfortunately, you're right that in, oftentimes in school, uh, and this isn't really the fault of the teacher. I think it's complicated to get 20 to 30 students and introduce them to a topic and they're going to have their rabbit trail questions, you know, but it's that teacher's job to get all those kids to a certain end point of the lesson. And so they kind of can't let them explore those little they kind of have a direction that they need to head and they need to get that train to that station. Um, inevitably, though, what that means is that students have to kind of turn down the volume on the curiosity a little bit in order to, to get to where they need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's just kind of the reality of 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 some elements of education. Now, I, I think what's encouraging is a lot of teachers these days, uh, elementary, middle, and high school are moving more towards project-based learning, which is very similar to what the Curiosity Blueprint is, and it it, it seeks to try to really graft in uh, curiosity and use that as as an engine to kind of fuel this learning. Um, but anyways, as students age, you know they get into you know like your son's ages and and. Um, as teenagers, when they're kind of going through that second neural pruning, when they're they're bottom up processing, their kind of impulsivity is boosting and their neural capacity is maybe going through a little bit of a pruning phase. Um, They're seeking novelty. They're seeking unique situations because they're hardwired to do that. And it's also in a situation where they tend to be more impulsive. And if we aren't giving our students constructive ways to pursue curiosity, um, they will be curious in a way that might lead them down you know, a a slightly precarious path. And so I think as you know, and and as a former, um, you know, middle school administrator, you can imagine, I Mm -hmm. usually ended up dealing with those scenarios where the students kind of made some poor decisions. And again, never too late, students can always come back from those decisions. But I think Mm -hmm. as parents, it's important to, in many ways, um, to focus on positive curiosity. um, Because if we don't, um, they will find something to fill that time with. And it's not, sometimes it's, it's neutral, but, but sometimes it's not a super positive thing. So important mm-hmm. to be aware of as well. But I think also one of the things right now that I'm really, really trying to hit home with society in general, I think, not to, not to take too big of an ambitious goal, is that, um, you know, you might've noticed we live in a slightly contentious time in history right now. It's a You've little noticed. bit divisive out there. Um, you can kind of fill in the air a little bit. The thing that I love so much about curiosity, and you, my nerdiness is going to come out here, but
0: <laughs> there's a
1: writer named Hank Green who who who, um, who posited that curiosity may be the greatest human quality. And the reason for that is it's impossible to hate something or to be judgmental of it while you're curious about it at the same time, like hate um, and wow. and. Yeah, and and judgment don't coexist with curiosity. So to the extent that you're genuinely curious about your neighbors and about people that you meet um, throughout the course of your life or about topics, whether they're political or or whatever, if you're genuinely curious about them, you're not going to jump to judgment and to hate and to divisiveness. You're going to examine it from all angles and, and continue to learn about it. And so I think you know, if I had to choose any um, skill that's probably most important for our kids to learn right now, it's, it's, it's that aspect of curiosity because it builds empathy and it makes them good listeners of other people and other perspectives. And I think that's probably one of the most critical skills um, that anybody needs to learn right now. So, right. so yeah, curiosity, I just, think, I just think there's no end to the benefits of, of, of developing curiosity.
0: Well, and I mean, and I can't say it enough, how important curiosity is in parenting, right? I mean, that is everything. Yeah. Because, because I love what you said. You're. I never, I never looked at it that way, that judgment and criticism don't exist when you're curious, but I'm going to steal that line because I Go love it. it. It's awesome. <laughs> um, it's so true because really when you can be curious, you're like, but like, help me understand. I don't understand. Like, I am right. what you feel instead when you're curious is confusion. You may be a little worry or whatever, but when it's judgment and it's criticism, you, you, you know, you feel maybe, um, you you know, agitated, angry, you feel frustrated, you feel, you know, all negative emotions, low vibration emotions, the curiosity is just open. It's like, let's talk about it. Like how, how can I support you or why is it this way? Right. So I really love that. And you know, I also see this as something really cool for you to do as a family. Like, hey guys, let's all take something from this blueprint and let's all learn about it and then let's tell each other about it. Like, how fun would that be? That would be yeah. so cool. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I when I was developing it, my wife and I were kind of going through the process several times, kind of refine it. And I had other people try it out as well, and it was I mean, you know, I, I, I probably got into this topic because I'm a lifelong learner myself. I have, there's just no end to the amount of things that I, you know, I feel this anxiety all the time. because it's like, man, I could, I could, I read somebody said something the other day that's like, I could spend the next hundred years just learning about like Japanese poetry, like something super specific. And I just feel like there's so many interesting ideas in the world. There's just, ne- it's enough to last a hundred lifetimes. Yeah. Um, and that's true of adults. You know, I think one of the reasons why, I am the way that I am is that growing up, you know, you talked about kind of um, neuroplasticity and kind of uh, always growing and evolving. And, and uh, you know, my mom, who's in her 60s now, every time I talk to her, I'm like, what are you reading right now? What are you learning about? And she's always, you know, neck deep in some new topic and learning everything she can about it. It's one of the things I admire about her most That's is that. You know, a model growing up is that yeah, it is really, really, really important for adults to model for their kids that we are curious by nature. Like it is, there's no end to what you can learn to do, new skills or new information that you can learn. It doesn't matter how old you are. And also, I mean, I'm, I know you know this, but it's it's incredibly uh, uh, healthy uh, from a metacognition standpoint for as we age to continue learning as well. So, so yeah, I like it. Let's make the Curiosity Blueprint the adult edition, and yeah, you can just download. This version of it. it'll work for anybody. It doesn't have to be for students at all.
0: I feel like I want to keep it at the level it is right now, though, because I don't know that my brain can handle an adult challenge. So let's not let's not be too crazy. Not push
1: it too hard. Yeah, we'll wait till after yeah. the pandemic to worry about that.
0: Yeah, there's there's only so much this very this very precious brain can.
1: I can, hear you. That's why all my parent- just
0: Every parent right now is like, "Yep, we'll just take the easy one." <laughs> yeah, don't overcomplicate it. Um, so, okay, so as a teacher, as an administrator, and all of the—I mean, the like—the list is very long with your with with your accomplishments and credentials and all that, but. Let's talk, since you have the experience in the classroom, um, I always want to ask, how do we support our teachers? How, you know, how do we navigate that parent-teacher relationship? I mean, I always have my own ideas, but I love to hear from you how best to do that because I and and I want to take this opportunity to say thank you to our beautiful teachers and administrators out there you guys are working so hard to care for our kids I know how much you care and I know how much you want to be back in the classroom teaching and so just so much love for you thank you so much and that includes you Mike too for all that you're doing so with that said yeah how can we improve that relationship
1: yeah, I think it's it's a really I, I appreciate you asking that. I think that <clears throat> you know historically, like I haven't been in a school building day to day for a couple of years, and I know when I was an administrator and a teacher. I mean, teachers worked so hard, and I was just in the school building yesterday doing some consulting work with um, some folks, and I mean the level that administrators and teachers are just laying everything out there to to make sure that kids uh, feel valued and feel welcomed uh, in, in kind of our current, very unprecedented situation. I mean, it is, I've known teachers that just are working from sunup to sundown and everywhere in between um, administrators, you know, some of them get a little bit of a summer off. I, most of the administrators I know didn't get a summer at all. Um, they were just kind wow. of rehashing plans over and over and over again. So I think that even though, uh, we are in an unusual circumstance, and I think everybody would admit that it's kind of less than ideal. Um, I think a little bit of patience on on both sides, right, on teachers, with students, and I know they're really working on that a lot, um, but also with parents, with teachers, just realize, like, your, your student's teacher is, is working tirelessly to make this situation um, as positive as possible, and I think giving them that Uh, you know, that benefit of the doubt is always really helpful. And so if you're reaching out, I I encourage you to reach out and clarify questions. You know, if something really isn't working, reach out to an administrator. Um, For me, historically speaking, uh, I never minded the emails the phone calls or um, communications from parents that said, um, look, I I believe that you're probably trying to do the right thing. I just have some questions about X or I, I would love to offer my insights about why. And if it was like a civil conversation, it was like, yeah, I'm more than happy to sit down with you and kind of problem solve that. Uh, you know, I think you can imagine that sometimes parents uh, get frustrated and and a little bit, um, I mean, everybody does. It's a tough situation, right? But I, I think um, the more constructive a conversation can be, the more, um, you know, validating that everybody's working hard, everybody's in a unique situation is just going to yield a really positive conversation. Because in the end, what everybody wants in this situation, teachers, administrators, parents, they just all want their kids to do well. Like every administrator, every teacher they got in this profession, they didn't do it for the money. They didn't do it for summers Mm. off. They did it to help kids and they all want that to be the reality this year. And so Mm. um, I think just remembering that we're all trying to get to the same destination. um, Mm. And I, I think it's not, assuming like if if something didn't go well or didn't go as expected or something, it's not assuming um, that that was the intent. It's just assuming best intentions um, with with teachers and asking a lot of questions. So again, kind of being curious, just saying like, hey, can you kind of explain to me why we're doing it this way? I just, I genuinely don't understand Mm -hmm. and, and I want to help support my kid. And so I'm just looking for some clarity. Um, and I think you'll, you'll be surprised at, at kind of the, the constructive conversations you can have on that you,
0: front. You, you know what I think is really important, too, um, in hearing everything that you just said, is if we're going to be curious, then we need to listen really well to, to the answer, right? And just just listen and be open, right? Not be defensive, not come ready to fight or whatever if you're worried about your child or whatever. But be curious and then listen. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, I, from what I see on the back end, working with teachers and, and um, administrators right now, they've always been hard workers. I have been blown away um, the last month at how selflessly hard all administrators and teachers are working. I mean, it's, incre- and like here in Oregon, you know, during the first week of school, we had wildfires that we could see from our windows um, and, you know, teachers were getting um, displaced from their houses and stuff and still trying to figure out how to be ready for the start of school. I mean, Uh just heroic level stuff. Um, And and so, you know, I think just always remembering, let this, let this, let's let this be a time that kind of brings us together and problem solves Mm -hmm. together rather than kind of saying, well, I'm really frustrated and happy about X. So I'm going to, you know, have that kind of more critical tone. Um, I think, I think as long as we maintain a, a problem solving, like group oriented kind of conversation, it's going to, it's going to go fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I've got a, just a couple more questions for you. Sure. Um, and, and I think it's um, look, I think that this is all really good and really positive, but what if there are warning signs and what would those warning signs be? Um, if your child is struggling and learning, if, you know, what if your teacher isn't a good fit, but like, what, what, what could we look, f- what are we looking for if things aren't going well?
1: Yeah, I think what's probably really important is keeping a really good pulse on um, the type of work that your student is having assigned and then also if they're getting it turned in. One of the big kind of logistical challenges this year is that, well, two things really is attendance is really hard to verify because um, a lot of schools, you're having a situation where it's like, hey, if you check into the Zoom session for 10 minutes, you're kind of here for the day. But that's not the same as them sitting in front of a teacher for a class period and being able to work with them, right? So. Um, I think really, you know, I mean, you know, having teenage boys. If you ask them, "Hey, how's school going?" they're gonna give you one-word answers a lot of times, and so uh, you don't want it to wait too long before you really find out are you really having difficulties, and what do we need to do about that. So, as much as beneficial as something like the Curiosity Blueprint is to help support um, those situations, I think it's still equally as important for um, for parents to just be having very regular, candid conversations with their kids, like, "Hey." like be honest with me are you and maybe even have them show you their math homework or their science homework and stuff and be like are you getting this because if not we need to figure out a way to make sure that you're getting the help that you need and a lot of schools that i've talked with um so you know a lot of parents might not realize that most schools have a huge staff of paraprofessionals classroom aides um, tutors that work with students in school buildings and a lot of schools right now are making those staff available to work with students in small group situations um, Um, you know, via Zoom and that kind of thing. And they might not be advertising it as much because, you know, if if there's a huge demand for it, they they might not be able to spread that resource around too effectively. But if you know that your student is struggling in a specific area, make that known to your student's teacher. And then I would also always let the administration know as well, because that's what they're doing full-time this year is problem-solving those situations. So they might not have an answer for you five minutes after the question, but they're going to help you solve that problem. And then I think, you know, like any scenario, the biggest concern right now and i'm sure you know you've your family has talked through this is is a, de- a decreased amount of social interaction um with yeah. the pandemic i mean that's for teenagers that is a very 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 challenging situation so yeah. Um, I think that, you know, one thing that we've talked about is how to get creative with some solutions on how to um, give your student a lot of social time and also time that's constructive and, and uh, meeting with um, positive adults. So one of the things that I've always been very um, passionate about and the research has shown is that it's really important for students to have, teenagers especially, to have relationships with positive adults that aren't their parents, right? Um, parents are great. Parents can do so much for their kids. but oh, yeah. I'm sure you know that there's, there's, you know, a lot of kids have a relationship with a coach or with a teacher or with, Mm. um, you know, a a faith-based leader or something like that that just is irreplaceable. Um, And right now, those relationships either are being substituted for online versions of that or they're not available. And so I think it's really important to make sure that your students not getting despondent, not getting um, more isolated, not spending more time online than they used to, not getting secretive about their activity and that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. It's always going to have a pulse on those things. And then one thing that we've been talking about is how can you generate those uh, positive adult relationships um, mm-hmm. in our current situation? So one idea has been let's community source um, curious and, and, and very um, productive and, and uh, healthy novel interactions with, with adults. So for example, uh, my neighbor uh, to the east of me uh, has some skills in blacksmithing, which is... <laughs> random and awesome. You know, which is very <laughs> cool. Really random he's, and awesome. Yeah. He's a fascinating guy. And then there's someone down the road that works in TV broadcasting. And then there's another person that um is is a social media marketing expert, you know, and it's like, so and then we have like a nurse and a contractor and, and all these different people in our community with with children that are roughly the same age. And so it's like, you know, you could easily say, Okay, so next Saturday, you know, yeah. Uh, Dave is going to teach uh, three hours of blacksmithing. And my, my son can bring two friends with them. And then they're going to do a, a trade. And the next weekend, they're going to go um, to Laura's house and learn a little bit about social media marketing. And, you know, so it's kind of finding a way to, to promote those healthy relationships, especially with teenagers, um, with people that you trust um, that aren't their parents, and then also incorporating some type of offline component that Um, Because a lot of a lot of teenage boys, especially aren't going to uh, really buy into like, I want to go and sit across the table from um, another adult that I don't really know and just talk, you know, they're going to want to do something with their hands or do something constructive. And so having an activity that they can focus on while building that relationship, kind of like sports, we got to get creative this year and figure out how to make those things happen for our kids.
0: Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. That's really cool. So um, just, you know, talking about uh, your kids and checking in with your kids, uh, I think that means being curious, right? There you go. There you go. (laughs) So, but, but I think you're really right. And, And one of the benefits that we have like just loved, and I've also a little bit is having Teams, um, like uh, Microsoft Teams is what our school uses, right? Um, I don't love the the format, but it's been great because we can see exactly what's due, exactly what the assignment is, where my, you know, where my son is at. Um, So I love that. So it definitely really, really helps. And I don't ever want to lose that. Like for as long as my kids are in school, I love having access to what they're doing because we are, you know, my kids are, kind of kids that come home with the crumpled pieces of paper at the bottom of their backpacks right and we're like
1: is this the stuffers yeah exactly they just
0: are like no it's not right everything goes in the recycling or there's a test you've got like one out of 15 and it's like whoa wait a second wait a second how come i didn't know about about this
1: this. yeah
0: yeah so so it's really positive uh in that case and you're right like we've just got to be tuned in um, and, and we've just got to ask, you know, because, um, as much as I think school is not a measure of your child's worth, um, it is an indicator of what, what's happening in terms of their grades and it's feedback, right? So if they're, if things aren't going well, like how come they're not going well? If, if you're struggling, how come? Cause it doesn't feel good to struggle. And we want to support them all the way through because when kids drop out of school, you know, that is not something we want for them. It dramatically changes their future and job prospects and earning right. a, earning potential and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and of course that's for older kids, in high school that sort of thing but um and and then those yeah those warning signs too we've got to make sure they're not dropping out they're not uh disengaging and a lot of teens do um right now and uh so i think everything that you said is really cool and i mean i wish i had a blacksmith next door but uh, <laughs> i don't <laughs> i gotta find out what, what other cool things my neighbors do <laughs> right
1: right they'll surprise you for sure yeah
0: yeah, that's so funny. Um, okay, so let's, I just to, to sort of leave it on one note, let's leave it on a positive note. Yeah. What can we be optimistic about the rest of this school year? You know, we, we just started here for most of us in September, so, right. yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, so I think one of the big things that I've been talking with parents about, and this has been an awesome um, Thing for me because I've often, again, have worked with teachers and administrators, and have worked with parents a little bit um, through the school system. But I'm working more directly with parents right now, and it's been a total blast just because it's like seeing, uh, you know, the other side of the coin and and just really getting a pulse on the whole conversation. And I think one of the things that that we can ask ourselves is initially what I've heard from a lot of parents is how can I make this as normal a year as possible? You know, how can how can we inject on the same things that our students are used to, um, so that they can just kind of make it through this year. And I think a better question is, how can we make this the most memorable year ever in a very good way, right? So what can, like we have tons of constraints um, this year, no question. But also we have some constraints that have been lifted and this might not apply to everybody, but like, you know, I know, My best friend is is working exclusively from home this year, which isn't normally the case, and his wife is as well, and his students are all at home as well. And so we were talking a couple weeks ago, and like, you know, we're fortunate to have um, some family in Southern Oregon that has some property. In the wintertime, when it's super drab and and drizzly here in in Portland, we're going to go to Southern Oregon and spend a month down there. um, Working outside, it's kind of a ranch scenario, doing stuff outside, having um, you know my in-laws, who are very crafty, hands-on, um, brilliant people, teach the kids some skills and, and activities and that kind of thing. And it's like hey, our kids are going to be look be able to look back. His kids, they're older, and he has three kids. They're going to be able to look back and say, "Remember that summer that we spent? You know, a month during the school year in Southern Oregon, like doing stuff with mm-hmm. our hands outside. It's going to be something special. And so mm-hmm. let's figure out a way to do that. And and if you don't have those resources, like I know we're very lucky. Um, that's fine. I think one thing also to, to consider, and this kind of goes along with the curious component, is empower your students this year, especially if you have teenagers, um, to learn how to problem solve. There's an old saying that says, uh, you know, if you want to solve a world problem like world hunger or something like that, give it to teenagers in school and they'll oh, solve it in like 25 minutes. Because yeah. they just don't think with the constraints that adults do. Okay. And so, you know, they one don't know thing all the ways that, it won't work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Yeah. yeah, they're just only thinking about what can happen, not what won't happen. And so, right. you know, I, I would say if, if uh, you know, let's say that you're a family that, that doesn't have another location to go to or something like that, give your student constraints. You know, you have a 15-year-old daughter, let's say, say, hey, look, we can leave for a week. We have this much money to spend. You can bring two friends um you know we need to find a way and it has to be within 50 miles of the house and has to have wi-fi and turn them loose and i guarantee you within a week they'll come back with 10 ideas seven ideas seven of which you never would have thought of yourself you know and i joke that um, they're the the teenagers are the type to think like well we you know we have an aunt and uncle at the coast or someone that lives in the mountains like i'm just going to call them and ask if they want to do a house swap for a week and the great thing is people don't want to say no to kids so have your kids calling those favors Uh Um, and you're going to just make it a great year. So I think I think it's a combination of, as adults, being willing to get creative, think outside the box, do something that you might not normally do, in order to make this year memorable for your kids, and empower your kids to play an active role in that. I
0: love it, and 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 use them mercilessly, unapologetically, yeah. oh, to, uh, to manipulate those in your life who you want, yes, whose yes. <laughs> you want to live in. Oh, I love it. No, in in all seriousness, that is such a cool idea. Thank you for that. And I've often thought that too, because I work from home. My husband is working from home seemingly indefinitely. Um, and I mean, uh,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So that is really cool. Well, thank you for all of this. I absolutely love talking to you. And so look, I just want to say though, for, for everybody to go to your site, the curiosity because you do have freebies on your site and the, the full blueprint uh, is something that you, that, that people can purchase at a really economical price, it's $50. But if you use the code parenting or future, you'll get it for 20% off. So please, you know, if that's something that you really have um, loved everything that we've talked about, I absolutely love it. You know, it's, it's an investment in curiosity in learning and even in connection you know, because this is something that can can really, uh, really create some really new experiences in your family. I think it's totally worth it.
1: Yeah, thank you, Robin. And I, I just want to throw out there that, um, you know, it, it, that's a that's a pretty reasonable price to help cover our costs and that sort of thing. But I realize that even that, especially like kind of in tough uh, economic times, and maybe, you know, you're a single parent that doesn't have those resources, and you really want to still give your kids, you know, some of this, some of these um, uh, materials, if, you, if there's anything that's standing in your way, um, if cost is a factor and you're really interested in getting the product, we have an email address, scholarships at the blueprint.com. Um, we will figure something out. We will not let, um, if, if $50 or $40 after the 20% off is cost prohibitive, don't just give up. If you're really interested in it, email us, we'll make it work, I promise.
0: That's really, really generous and really kind. Thank you for that. That's really beautiful. Really, Absolutely. really appreciate having people like you in this world who are just looking to make it a better place. And uh, you know what, this is amazing. Thank you. I hope everybody goes to, to see the Curiosity Blueprint. And, uh, and I just, I can't thank you enough for everything that you're doing. Thanks for being here today.
1: Oh, thanks Robin, it was great. I really love your podcast. Thanks for what you're doing as well. It's, uh, it's adding a lot of value to folks' lives. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you.